Alrighty. Whoa. I'm loud. <laughs> yeah, now I, I think the thing, the reason why um, I'm pretty loud, uh, for about three years I traveled with what they called open air campaigners. And uh, we would go to major cities like Washington, D.C., and Pittsburgh, and, 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 and uh, we'd go up to Baltimore. And uh, we weren't allowed to use sound equipment. And so what we did is we had a van. And we'd pull the van up, we'd get permission, we'd pull the van up, and there was a, a, a platform that would come out, and then like, like a, 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 an awning that would come out. A lot of people thought the awning uh, was there for, uh, uh, to keep the rain off of us if, if it would rain. But it was painted white, and uh, the way it was, it was made, it became an amplification system without uh, electricity or anything, and uh, it would amplify your voice. Uh, it was a lot of fun when I was doing it, you know, because uh, in those days I was pretty much a hippie, and I had long hair, and I wore a top hat everywhere I went. I wore a big cross, and I would put up a canvas, and I would start drawing or painting until we'd get a crowd. And when a crowd would come, we'd have some music, and they would come, and, and we would share the gospel because the painting would go into a story. And uh, when we would get done, we would have people get saved. Now, if we were in DuPont Circle in Washington, D.C., what was really nice is the fact that there was a fountain there. So we would say, you know, it's keeping you from getting baptized. And we would go into the fountain and we would baptize uh, the guys and the girls that got saved. And it was really neat because as hippies, uh, it was just really a neat time, and, and uh, we would have Bible study, and, and, and the, these kids were so on fire for the Word of God, and we'd have Bible study, and you'd see them coming with, with, with their Bibles, and they would be carrying a strongest concordance with them, and, and, and a Bible dictionary, and I'm telling you, when you would sit down and you'd start teaching, they were always looking through to see if what you were saying was true or not, and it was a great time. And uh, the Jesus movement really grew, and it was it was it was an awakening. Really, uh, I remember when I was I was in Bible college at the time, and uh, there was an awakening at, at a Methodist school, and uh, all of a sudden uh, it was like an outpouring of the Spirit, and it was it started at a, a uh, chapel service. I guess like we would call it convocation at Liberty, which we used to call it chapel, but that's a different story. Uh, and, and I, I remember, uh, uh, hearing about it and it, it started to flow over and no one left chapel. It went on for four days. Four days, 24 hours a day. Kids were getting their lives right. They were, they were confessing their sins. They were getting challenged to be witnesses for Jesus Christ. And it went over from that college into another Christian school and then into Washington Bible College. And we saw the Holy Spirit move in such a fantastic way. And God really blessed. You know, when I was thinking about what I wanted to share tonight, and of course we're going through the book of Acts. And uh, it's the Acts uh, of the Apostles. And how exciting it is when we look at the book of Acts. It's, it's like, make a movie. You know, uh, uh, you know, I know, I know Mel Gibson's making a movie. Uh, matter of fact, he told us about that yesterday, uh, and at, at convocate, or at graduation. And, uh, I don't know if I'd want Vince Vaughn playing the part, but, uh, you know, uh, uh, watching the Lord really move, uh, and, and acts the, uh, you know, as we, as we go through the book, it, it would be a fantastic movie. It really would. 
And, and you know, I, I'm looking at it and I'm seeing all this stuff happening and I thought, well, you know, I could, I could be in it. Uh, you know, I know they want Brad Pitt, but uh, you know, I, I pr- look pretty much like him and, and I could be there and my wife could be in the movie. You know, she looks like Goldie Hawn and, and, you know, here we are, you know, we're going to be Paul and, 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 and my wife is going to be, uh, uh, uh I don't know who. <laughs> But let me tell you guys, when I get into the book of Acts, I get so excited because, because a lot of people say, well, it's, it's, it's just a, a, a book of history. Yes, it's history, but there's so much more to it. You know, as we were talking and, and, and as we were singing, you know, as the Lord leads us and guides us, we started to talk last week about the aspect of being an apostle of Jesus Christ and uh, the importance of it. And we're going to talk a little bit about that, and we're going to start in Acts, the second chapter. And it's going to take us three sessions to get through just that one chapter, because there's so much in that chapter that we can look at and say, where is God and what's he saying to us today as witnesses for Jesus Christ? You know, I told my wife as we were sitting and watching the news, and maybe that's one of the hardest things to do, and maybe I shouldn't be watching it, because I'm telling you guys, it depresses me. It depresses me. And I'm thinking, you know, we had a nation that was looked up to, and now we're not being looked up to anymore. You know, I just heard the news that in, in, in Africa, uh, Boko Haram uh, went into a village and took 86 children, doused them with kerosene, and burnt them alive. Now, I'm telling you, when I look at this, and knowing that it was a Christian village, and, 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 and knowing here is the United States... Instead of turning our heads to what's happening. And when I look at this, I realize what God says and it's calling all of us to be a witness for him. Let's pray. Lord, I pray right now that you'll just uplift, guide and direct us. Lord, as we get into your word, as we study the book of Acts. Lord, as we look at chapter two and all the exciting things that happen in this, in this portion of scripture. Lord, to see the outpouring of the Spirit. Lord, we need an outpouring today. We need an awakening. We need a revival. And Lord, I know that, that if it's going to come, it's going to come through the generation that I'm talking to tonight. Lord, open up hearts. Open up our minds. Open up our emotions. Lord, that we will be challenged to be witnesses for Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Acts 2, this is exciting. Here they are, they're in the upper room. There's 120 of them. It's amazing that, that a lot of times when we see movies about it, you always just see the apostles, you know, and here are the apostles. Guys, there's 120. And not only just men, but men and women. And they're in this upper room, and they're taking time to pray. And last week we saw that that, that they were replacing uh, Judas, and they were doing a uh, business, and 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 they were praying, and and they knew that there was a promise that was given to them, and they're waiting for this promise to come. They don't know how it's going to come, but there they are. And the Bible says, when the day of Pentecost arrived. They were all together in one place. And suddenly, there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. 
and divided tongues as fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterances. Now, there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under, under the heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together. And they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? Now, let me tell you, Galileans weren't people that were really looked up to. Matter of fact, they were, they were looked down upon. They were, they were considered really sort of the lower class of people, uneducated people. And here they're hearing their language and their words coming out of these men who, in their minds, are uneducated, speaking in their dialects and in their languages. And how it is that we hear each of us in our own language. Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia, Pontius and Asia, Phrygia and and, and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and the visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others mocking said, Oh, they are filled with new wine. You know, we started last week talking about the aspect of us being apostles. In the Bible, the, the word for apostle is mothitos. It means, it means a follower. But it doesn't just mean a follower. It means someone that is walking so close to the one you're following that you don't see me. You see that one that I'm following. In Ephesians, the fifth chapter, we looked last week and it says, therefore, be followers of God as dearly loved children. The word here, followers, is the word imitos. Now, it's, it doesn't take much to figure out what that word means. It means imitator. I am to be an imitator of Jesus Christ. Now, when I look at this, I, I remember when I was a little kid, and, and I remember when my dad's uh, shoes were in the living room, and I would go in, and I'd be maybe uh, uh, three years old, and I would, I would put my dad's shoes on, and I'd walk around the house because I wanted to be just like my dad. What it's saying here is dearly loved children. I want to imitate someone I really love and admire and look up to. The thing that drew me to Lynchburg was Lynchburg Baptist College. Because I had an opportunity in, in, in uh, uh, the uh, uh, Baltimore area where there was a rally. And there was a rally going on and there was this guy that's coming. And he was starting a brand new school in Lynchburg, Virginia. And the man's name was Jerry Falwell. And, and, and one of my best friends was, was one of the soloists that night. Uh, she was a professional uh, gospel singer, and, and she invited me to come, and she invited me to go backstage. And I went backstage, and I met Jerry Falwell, 
And, 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 and he hit me a couple times, you know. He was one of these guys who go, hey, how you doing? Boom, you know, and you go, oh, my goodness, you know. I ain't going to that school. It's a weirdo, you know. And I remember sitting in the audience, and Jerry's talking about the school, and he's you some applications, and this little guy comes out. His name was Elmer, Elmer Towns. And he's walking up the aisles handing out these cards. Well, I didn't wind up going to Liberty at that time, and I was called to a church in Pennsylvania. And I started to bring my kids down here, and they started to go to school here. And I thought, man, I'm watching Jerry on TV, and I'm hearing about his, his work for the Lord and how this ministry is growing. And I thought, I want to go to Lynchburg to sit under him and to learn. I fell in love with Jerry Falwell. I remember driving in his car, and it was dangerous if you drove in his car. The men would go up over the, over the curb onto the sidewalk and chase students down. He had a horn in the car that was, you know, like the sound of a mighty wind that is talking about in here. Go, Boom! And people, kids would run and scream. And, and I remember uh, I, I, I had a Sunday school class, and I had some girls from Randolph-Macon Women's College and they said, would he come over and have, have, have lunch with us? And I said, sure, I'll ask him. And I called his secretary, and she said, well, he may come up to see your Sunday school class, but he's so busy. You know, he, he won't come. He just doesn't have the time. So I'm sitting in my office, and my phone rings. And I, I, I picked up the phone. I said, hello. And he goes, uh, Dane, this is Jerry Faltwell. And I said, sure it is. Who is this? And he goes, no, it's Jerry Falwell. I said, now someone's playing a joke on me. Who are you? And he said, I am Jerry Falwell, your boss. Yes, sir. He said, what time do you want to pick me up? I said, well, anytime. And I picked him up. And as we were driving to Randolph-Macon Women's College, someone called him and his secretary called him in the car and he had a speaker there. And she said, there's a guy on the phone that says he needs Jesus, who should I send him to? And he goes, well, who did he call? She said, well, I called you. He goes, well, then that's who you sent him to. And he won that guy to Christ in the car while we were driving up over curbs and everything. And he was all over the place. And by the time we got to Randolph-Macon, the man was accepting Jesus Christ as his Savior. To be imitators. To be imitators. So now all of a sudden we come here in Acts 1.8, and we're going to use that to come over in, in Acts 2. So this is more of an introduction as we move into Acts 2. Listen, he says here, remember last week we read this, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses, and that's 1.8, in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, and Samaria, and the ends of the world. When I look at this, the thing that hit me is when he starts talking about here, and a lot of times you guys say, well, I would go out witnessing for the Lord, but I really get scared, and, and, and I really don't know how to do it, and it's, it's just not my thing. Hogwash, it is your thing. God's called you to carry out the Great Commission, each one of you. But you say, I don't, I, 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 just, I just can't do it. What does he say here? But you will receive power. You know, if, if, if I stood up here and I said, look, I have a brand new, brand new 
Matter of fact, it's a 2017 BMW out there. And here's the keys. First person come up, get the keys, has the car. Ah! <laughs> You'd be stupid if you didn't get up. But a lot of us would sit there and say, oh, what's the gimmick? What's going on? There's no way I'm going to do that. You know, it's, it's the idea that all you have to do is receive it. Take it. He says here, but you shall receive to take that is offered. I don't have to do anything to earn it. I don't have to go up to reach it. All I have to do is just receive it. That's what the word means here. That's what it's saying here. Lamano. To receive. Just take. It's right there. But you will receive power. What kind of power is he talking about? The word there is dunamos. In the Greek, it means miraculous power. It's where we get the word dynamite. And you're sitting here saying, well, I can't, I can't do it. I can't, you know, guys, let me tell you, you have that power in you. I was always scared, scared, <laughs> scared. Uh, <laughs> I was always scared to go out. And I remember when I was in Bible college, uh, Coach Rock Royer came over and he was the coach at the University of Maryland or Maryland University. And he brought a bus over to our Bible college. And he said, how many here have been over to witness at my school? And we're all sitting here going, and really none of us have, you know. And he goes, right there, it's just right across the way. He said, I'm here with a bus to take you over to witness. Talk to people about Jesus. Oh, I don't know if I can do this. We got on the bus and we're all dressing up, you know, I guess in the skinny jeans of that day. You know, looking cool to go over. And this guy gets in, this kid gets in, everybody makes fun of. He wears like Mickey Mouse shoes, white socks. You know, he has a black pants on, white shirt, and everybody's going, no one's going to listen to him. <laughs> you know, look at him. You know, and we go over and at, at the end of the day, I would go up to talk to somebody and think, oh, I can't do it. And I'd walk away and I'd go, oh, gee, how are you doing? Goodbye. <laughs> yeah, no. And finally, I knew when I got on the bus, they were going to ask, who have you talked to? And, 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 and I saw this group of girls sitting uh, on, on a blanket. Uh, and I walked over and I thought, well, I'll ask them. And, and just looking at them, they're going to tell me hit the road. I can get on the bus and say, well, I was witnessing. And they just told me to hit the road and, you know, whew, did my job. So I walk over and these girls are there and I said, excuse me. I said, can I share something with you? And the one girl looked up and she goes, Jesus? Uh, yeah. They said, someone talked to about us about Jesus a couple days ago and we have so many questions. Do you have time to sit and talk to us? I said, no. <laughs> I said, sure. And I sat down. And there were three of them, and all three asked Jesus into their hearts. Someone planted the seed, and there I am to harvest. So I get on the bus and go, I led three to Christ, you know, Woo! Billy Graham right here, you know. <laughs> There's a little, little, you know, weird looking guy came in and goes, oh, man, he said, I'd say about 16, I've had an opportunity to lead to Christ today. 
He had the power. He had the power. It's this witness. The word there is martos. And when I look at that word, it means to share, to record. And we're, what English word do we get out of that? Martyr. Martyr. To give of myself, even if it cost my life. He goes on and he says, And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. From on high. It's amazing when I look at that word, promise. And when I follow through with that word, I find out in the Greek that it means divine assurance. Divine assurance. I promised it, and you're going to be assured that what? You're going to get that promise. The assurance is there, guys. Understand, it is there. Guys, I, when, 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 I, when I went to Bible college, and when I was here in seminary, and I kept looking in the mirror thinking, oh, my God. Goodness, Dane, you know, you're a little short guy and, 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 and you're getting bald. And, and back in those days, I would put on a turtleneck and my wife says, don't wear a turtleneck. And I'd say, why? And she said, because when you do, you look like a band roll on deodorant, you know? <laughs> Excuse me, nasty woman. <laughs> I kept saying, there's no way. How can God use me? I can't sing. Uh, like like uh, uh, Charles Billingsley. I, 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 you know, I, I, I act a little bit. And when I would do summer stock, they always made me the comedian in it. Little short, chubby guy over there. <laughs> Looks like Curly from, you know, the Three Stooges, you know. <laughs> guys, guys, let me tell you. I, when I gave my life over to the Lord, I've been everywhere in the world preaching the gospel. I, I've seen, seen thousands saved. Man, he says, he says here, listen, listen. He says, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. Promises the Holy Spirit. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power. Clothed with power. When I look at that word clothed, it means sinking into a garment. <laughs> sinking into a garment. So it's like you, you have, you have a, sa- a favorite bathrobe or lounging robe, and, and after a hard day's work, what do you wind up doing? Sinking into it. You know, you see them advertised on TV. It's just like wearing your skin. I already have my skin. What are you talking about? You know, but, but you sink into it. He says, he says here, clothed, sinking into a garment, array, array. This is not clothes. It's something magnificent. Whoa, is that what it says? Yes, that's what it says. You see, when you do a word study, all of a sudden you start seeing things in Scripture that you've never seen before. You miss out on a lot, guys. But what is it for? For the completion of world evangelism. He says, into all the world. Into all the world. Oh, I talk too much. Revival comes along. And when I look at this, 
What is he doing? The outpouring of the Spirit comes upon them. And all of a sudden, it's like, wake up, wake up. You know, the revival means to, to get awake, to come back to life. How many here think the church is, is, is sort of dead today? Yeah. We have concerts, and they're, ooh, they're fine, but then after the concert, are, are, are you walking with the Lord? Are you witnessing? Are you telling people about Jesus? No, but it was a good concert. Yeah, king and country. Wow, you know, it was awesome, man. I don't understand the screamo stuff, but, you know, I was in my office, and they were having a screamo concert, and it's right down the hall from where my office is. And I go running out. Is, is, is someone okay? What's going on? I hear someone screaming. Oh, that's music. <laughs> music? You kidding me? <laughs> to bring back to life, to awake from sleep, that's what it means. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is for Joe. Listening, Joe. <laughs> John Piper said, he says, from time to time, God has moved in extraordinary ways in the history of Christian movements. He has poured out his spirit in fresh, new, unaccustomary, dramatic ways. And these times have been called times of revival or awakening or reformation. Now, when I look at this, God uses different ways to revive us, to revive us. My wife and I, when we first moved down here, we had some students living with us, and we had an apartment out in Timberlake, and these, these were young people, and they had a hard time getting up in the morning, and all of a sudden, what I did is I was walking one day, and I found this German shepherd. I mean, it was big. So I thought, well, I can't get them up. So I opened up the door and let this big dog in their room. <laughs> and they woke up. I heard the dog going, woo, woo, and I hear them, ah, ah, you know, uh, are you guys awake? <laughs> you know? yeah. I, I, I'm telling you, I, I threw water on them. I, I, it was fun. They only lived with me for one semester. <laughs> Guys, when I look at Pentecost, Pentecost here in chapter 2, Pentecost was the first great outpouring on the church. The first great outpouring on the church. So why did you, uh, Jesus choose the feast celebration to pour out his spirit on his disciples? Why did he choose Pentecost? Well, easy. This was a Jewish holiday. And it was a time when a great a number of pilgrims would come. And it was called the Feast of Pentecost or the Feast of Harvest. What was going to be harvested? Lives. Lives. And I look at this and he chooses Pentecost, the Feast of the Harvest, because he's about ready to do something that is so spectacular. Now, here we go. The Feast of the Pentecost was 50 days after the Passover. But during the festival, a new harvest would take place. 3,000 people would be gathered into 
the beginning of the church and the birth of the church. This day began a, 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 a reaping process that is still going on worldwide today. I remember, I'll never forget when I was in the Ukraine and we had teams and we would go out and we went to a park and we, would, we had music and, and uh, uh, we had uh, dramas, we had martial arts, uh, we had gymnastics, and, and there was hardly anybody there. And, and we did the, the performance. My daughter would walk on glass, and uh, then someone on the other side would pick her up on their shoulders and walk back over the glass carrying her. And it was, it was you know, and so a storm was coming in, and just like a lot of Christians... The, my team just wanted to go back to the hotel and rest. And I said, no, we're, we're going to stay. I want to stay. And they go, no, 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 no. Look, a storm's coming up. We just tore everything down so nothing gets ruined. And I remember we were sitting there, and I said, look, I said, let's pray. Let's ask God to, to get rid of the storm. And I said, someone pray, and I'll close. And I bowed my head, and no one prayed. I thought, oh, man. So I looked up and I said, you guys aren't hearing what I'm saying. One of you pray that God will move that storm away so that we can have a, 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 a service. Just one more. Bowed my head and no one prayed. I thought, good grief. I said, one more time. And I heard one kid start praying and saying, God, we don't want to be here. We're tired. But if it's your will, then we're willing to do it. Or at least I am. And just as he finished praying, I could feel something warm on my arm. And I looked down, and there was the sun shining through our bus. We went out, and we set up. It was the time when people got off work, which we didn't know. And we were in this park, and people, we look up, and there's thousands coming. I mean, i never seen so many people. The, the whole the whole area where we were at was totally packed with people. We put on our program. I got up and I preached. And, and, and I said, guys, I said, here's what we're going to do. I said, you've heard the truth. All you have to do is ask him into your heart. And I said, it can be a simple prayer. If you really mean it, I mean, you, could, you can just quote it like a lot of people don't really mean it. But if you really mean it, you'll come in. And, and, and they bowed their head, and we prayed. They looked up at the end, and I said, no, and I wanted to see hands because I wanted to get interpreters and kids over to talk to them. And just as I was getting ready to do that, while we were praying, a, 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 a car came up with, with policemen, and, of course, they had just been under communism. And I said, if you asked Christ into your heart, would you raise your hand? No one raised their hands. They kept looking at those police officers. I said, well, let me go back over it with you. Since they were there, I thought, well, I'll witness to them. And I shared the gospel again. I said, well, let's bow our heads and pray again. And if you really mean it, you know, he'll come in. So I said, now, how many here ask Christ into their heart? And everybody just kept watching these, these policemen. And all of a sudden, the one policeman went, I did. And all of a sudden, we saw hands everywhere. We had so many hands that we, we didn't even have. Kids would, would get groups together and their interpreter to talk to them. I kept thinking, it must have been like Pentecost. Wow. 
Wow. Guys, listen. When we go through this, and, and, and we will never cease working until the Lord comes to ring down the final curtain time, you guys are responsible to be witnesses for Jesus Christ. The whole event and, and, and Acts 2 must be looked at in light of the Great Commission, guys. Everything in life, everything in history, Everything in the church must be looked at in the light of the Great Commission. Guys, listen. The major factory in any decision we make should be made in the light of the Great Commission. You know, and, and God's people usually fail at this point. During mission, Missions Week, we, 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 we are reminded of the needs of the world. We are reminded of it. And we get charged about it, and then we don't do anything about it. We hear about work for Christ in remote countries. We are challenged to pray and to give. But we never think of planning our lives and making our decision in light of the Great Commission. Guys, let me tell you, it adds zest to your life. It would add zest to your life. Guys, when I look at this, God gives you the ability to be maybe money. You know, when we formed Liberty University, and I've been there for 41 years, our foundation back in those days was a university that was developed for Christian young people to come to be trained to go out and share the gospel. Our goal in those days was to Know and realize that God had given each one of you the Great Commission. And so our desire was, well, what better way than to train doctors and nurses, psychologists and teachers, engineers, to take the gospel in everyday working experience and to be a testimony for Jesus Christ. That was our goal. Guys, let me tell you, but a lot of kids today are getting caught up in temporal pursuits. I'm an entrepreneur, whatever. <laughs> I make good money. I, you know, I'm really not me. I work at Liberty. But uh, <laughs> people who can make money, they go, oh, I'm making all this money. Why? Because I like making money. Why? Because I... I like buying fancy cars and a house. Why? Those are treasures here on earth. You see, God gave you ability to make money to give to support missions and ministries. He's given you the ability to carry out the Great Commission with the abilities that he's given to you. It's not for you to pocket it or to keep it. But we're pocketing and keeping it. I had a young man that went through Liberty University and he wanted to be a plastic surgeon. His whole goal was, was to go on the mission field, to go over to countries where children are born with, you know, a hair lip or, you know, the roof of the mouth. He wanted to give his life over to the Lord. Right now, he lives in Pittsburgh and he's a plastic surgeon for the upper crust of people. And he said, I'm making a lot more money than what I would have if I had gone on the mission field. Huh. 
Is he wrong? Well, I don't know. I think it's temporal pursuit. Guys, we are spiritual beings trying to satisfy ourselves with earthly activities. And we were, we were, guys, we're made for heaven. And it's foolishness. It's foolishness. With Christ the center of our lives and the great commission of our, uh, of our lives and the great commission burning in our hearts, guess what? Life becomes what it was meant to be. What? Filled with excitement. Filled with excitement. Guys, let me tell you, I was writing down this afternoon's things here. Thailand, we went over after the tsunamis and we went over two, two summer, summers in a row. And, and, and it was great because I learned how to work with elephants. And I had to, because we didn't have trucks and we had to use elephants to carry our things and, and to lift things. And, you know, I'm, I'm Jungle Jim. <laughs> Come on. Jumbo! <laughs> you know? It was great. And the people, and we saw people get saved even though we didn't go to be just witnessing to them. We, we needed to walk it in front of them because the media was really tearing Dr. Fall apart and saying he, he's sending his kids over there just because of, their, of, of their, their sorrow and what they're going through to take advantage of it. And we just lived it and people started to get saved. I was in the jungles of Ecuador. Villages in Africa, working and rescuing children from sex trafficking in India, a medical team in Mexico and in Guatemala. Guys, let me tell you, this little guy here, that if you looked at and said, you know, he's just a little guy and, you know, he's bald and, you know, I have my own teeth, I, I, I paid for them. And I'm not real talented. But I've been all over the world sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you're young. And now my doctor's saying you can't go. And you can't do all those things. I got news for him. I already booked stuff. But but let me tell you guys, you're missing out on an awful lot. If that's not burning in your heart, the Great Commission, there's excitement, and there's meaning, and there's purpose. Well, we want to look at the Great Commission, but maybe this chapter two will take four weeks. <laughs> Guys, it's a quarter after. I know last week I just kept going on and on. <laughs> Guys, I want, you to, I want you to bow your heads. Um, I don't know where you're at, and, and I know at Liberty my heart's been really heavy. And uh, the song that we were singing, let me grab this one here. Let me grab it. The one song hit me, I just lay that down there, where we sang, uh, You Make Me Brave. And a lot of you say, you know, am, am, am I brave? And, 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 and I liked it when we got down to the aspect that that he says, you make me brave, you make me brave, you call me out beyond the shore into the waves. You make me brave, you make me brave, no fear can hinder now the promise that you made. You make me brave, you make me brave, you call me out beyond the shore and the waves. You make me brave, you make me brave, no fear can hinder now the promise you made. 
guys, you may be scared and you may say, you know, how can God use me? He makes you brave. You got the power. And the power is the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Lord, I, I thank you, uh, Lord, for each one that's here tonight. I pray, Lord, you'll touch their hearts and touch their lives. Lord, I pray that they'll grab hold of the Great Commission. Lord, that it will burn in their hearts. Lord, we didn't even get near what we wanted to, to finish tonight, but that's okay. It's your word. And Lord, we're going to look at the Great Commission next week. And then the week after that, that I'm here, we're going to talk about the aspect of the Holy Spirit and the outpouring and the aspect of, uh, uh, of prophecy and tongues. And we're going to see how you work in such a fantastic way. Lord, I was thinking that uh, we get through the whole book of Acts and the weeks that I'm here, but we're not even going to probably get through chapter 3. But we don't want to rush your word because you've given us so much to eat and to digest and to apply to our lives. Uplift each one in Jesus' name. Amen.